Welcome to the Looper Podcast, the show where we make the rounds with interesting golf personalities. Here's your host, Eric Payton. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Today's episode is with Alex Beach. He is the PGA Professionals National Champion. Uh, basically what that means is every year there's a tournament that's held for all of the PGA professionals in the country, and he came out on top this year. And everyone who wins that tournament also gets an entry into the PGA Championship, which is held at Beth Page Black this year, um, won by Brooks Kepka. So he got to compete in that event. Not only that, but he and I both went to the Univers- University of Nebraska together and did the PGM Golf Management Program. So I've known Alex for a little while now, so it was really cool to catch up with him hear what he's been doing and how he's gotten so good at the game. Um, Also his perspective on being a PGA pro. So I hope you enjoy this episode. My name is Alex Beach. I am currently a teaching professional at Westchester Country Club in Rye, New York. So how'd you get started playing golf? You know, it's a funny story. I grew up in Minnesota, which, you know, most people might not think is the golf mecca of the world, and it may not be, but um, I was very athletic. I grew up playing baseball and soccer and ice hockey, and uh, it just so happened we moved when I was about eight years old and happened to move on to a golf course. And in just pure proximity to the golf course, I became interested in it. It kind of became my first job, and, and it was close enough where when I was old enough, I could bike to the driving range and, and kind of work a little bit for range tokens and um, really just fell in love with being able to go out and kind of challenge myself to get better. And, and I think that's still a pursuit I'm chasing now. So what golf course was that? Uh, it was Oak Glen Golf Course in Stillwater, Minnesota. Uh, nice public track. Our house kind of stuck out protruding into a par five so we had a very large net to protect our backyard and so literally I, I looked at golf pretty much every day growing up at that age did you have a dream of playing professional golf right away no no I definitely didn't you know I I was always enamored with athletics and, and it always seemed to come rather easy to me just the concept and I was a very competitive person I think I still am oh well, I know I still am but um the desire to make it a career, I think, happened much later in life. But at the time, it was a a very great learning experience. You know, being around uh, golfers in a mature environment, I think, allowed me to grow up at an earlier age, uh, learn some core values. And, you know, a lot of those things that I've used not only in golf, but in work and life and business. And um, But no, I, I can't say that initially I had a desire to play professional golf. So when you were uh, selecting a school, um, what was... What were you looking for in a school? Sure. Um, you know, I remember being a, a junior in high school and everyone's asking you, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? And I, I think I was in the majority of I didn't really know. Um, so you kind of write down on a piece of paper things you enjoy doing. And, you know, golf was one of them. I knew I wanted to go to a big school. I kind of always had that in my life. And my next door neighbor that I played high school golf with went to Ferris State and did the professional golf management program. And I remember he came in and spoke to the team um, after he graduated and came back and was explaining it to us. And and it all of a sudden kind of clicked to me. I go, wow, that sounds like 
it checked a lot of boxes for me. So I looked into it, and at the time, there were 20 schools in the country that offered the program. And Ferris State was maybe the closest, but the next closest was Nebraska. And, and I remember thinking, like, there's no way I'm going to Nebraska. I mean, there's nothing there but nothing there but cornfields and football. And I, I went down on a visit, and I fell in love. You know, I think, uh, you know, I, I remember meeting you there and, you know, Terry, who was the director of the program, and, and Tara, and that, that whole family environment just kind of sucked me in. I go, you know, I could, I could see myself here surrounded by great people in a really cool environment. And so ultimately, that's where I ended up. Yeah, yeah. So was there ever thought of playing golf in college? Um, at the time in high school, I was a decent player. Um, but I, I just wasn't tapped into the college golf network. I didn't necessarily know how to go about that, how to pursue it. Um, and, and therefore, I just never did. And, and I think I've always enjoyed playing golf on my own time. Um, and I know in college, you're balancing so many other things. And so the golf management program very quickly to me became what I saw for myself as a perfect avenue where you can balance the schoolwork, you can play a lot of golf as we did on the side. Um, and also just going to school when I started in 2008, when the economy was so poor, um, the 100% post-job placement after graduation was a big factor, you know, going on those internships and coming out with a network and, and a skill and, and finding gainful employment. And so that, you know, all those decisions kind of went into it. And, and ultimately I did not play college golf. Yeah, that's one of the things. Now, a lot of people who are listening may not realize this, but some will, uh, that we actually went to the same school, uh, went to Nebraska, went to the PGM program. Um, and so when I started hearing your name pop up again, um, that's one of the things that a lot of my buddies and I were talking about was like, wow, he really got good because you were, you were a good player in college. But something happened after college, right? <laughs> something did happen. There's no question. I mean, I remember college, and, and I'm sure we, you know, you probably beat me more times than I beat you. And um, but I think everything in my life, looking back, I'm almost 30 now. You know, has been kind of time and place, and it's all worked out really well. And in college, I, I loved the game, but I was probably thinking about other things all the time. And um, you know, it really wasn't until I left college and, you know, I traveled a fair bit with my internships. I lived on the West Coast. I lived on the East Coast. I'm from the Midwest. And I really wanted to see the country and see the different sides of the business to hopefully gain an understanding of what I might want to do. And it wasn't really until I moved to the East Coast. Uh, I took a job at Congressional. I was there for a year then moved over to a club called Burning Tree, which is kind of a men's club nearby. Um, you know, very, very elite, nice men membership. And I, I got to see firsthand what being a good golf professional playing-wise could offer and, and the doors that it could open up. And, and I was working for people who had a ton of playing success. And you know, the stories that they had and the trips that they got to go on and, and the freedom that they got with their job, that really kind of spoke to me. And it just, I think the old school golf pro, especially in the Northeast, you know, your game was kind of your reputation. That's how you got the job. That's how you earned respect. And um, I started playing in these tournaments in the mid-Atlantic section. And then it really wasn't until 
I moved to New Jersey in 2014 where I really got the fire. Um, I got to start playing and competing against some of the best playing professionals in the country. And I remember at first being very intimidated and very scared. Um, but every tournament, every round, I would just watch what they were doing. And a lot of these guys uh, have become mentors and very close friends of mine to this day. Um, and, and I finally you know, picked up enough things where I gained confidence and started telling myself, I think I can compete. And then, you know, playing in bigger tournaments, playing in my first Met Open in 2015 was like an out-of-body experience. I was nervous. It was at Wingfoot. You know, all this history and, and things that I wasn't used to. And, you know, just going through the reps uh, of losing and, and, you know, thinking back on a round of, you know, gosh, why did I do that? I was so quick to make a decision or I was so impatient. And, uh, you know, you find ways to... Get, make yourself better and it's just been a constant progress of that from that point and you know I've always said it took a lot of losing to learn how to win and golf's a tough game and um, but you know really that's where I think this fire was built it, it definitely started in college had a couple successes you know put my name on a couple trophies there and you know always enjoyed that that spark that drive to, to be better than everybody else and um, you know as I keep growing into larger populations, you know, in different tour events and, and whatnot. I'm just putting myself against that next step and uh, and kind of working through it. So you talked about some of the mentors that you had right after graduation. Who were the, some of those guys? And what were the big things that, that they taught you about, specifically about competing on the highest level? Sure. You know, there, there's so many to name. I'll name a few, but, I, you know, I don't want to miss anybody. Um you know, working for professionals, I worked for Charlie Briggs and Ricky Tuma and DC, John Lieberger, you know, they, they kind of taught me the business and then how to, how to take playing and use it to your advantage. And then I worked for a guy named Dave Reisner in New Jersey, uh, who's very well known. And, and he kind of put me in touch with uh, the people who could help me out, um, but also gave me the confidence and the ability to play. And then from a playing perspective, a lot of guys like Jim McGovern, who played on tour forever. Brett Jones, Matt McKeon, uh, Brent Studer. Uh, there's just a lot of core guys in New Jersey who have had a ton of playing success at a, a number of different ages. And, you know, as I'm playing in these tournaments with them and I start winning majors and, you know, they're, they're always there for me for advice. And they, they've helped me through the tough times and the good times. And, and they've taught me how to to deal with the emotions and how to play. And, you know, I'm a self-taught player. I've never had a lesson. So, really, you know, yeah, I've never had a lesson. Wow. Okay. Um, so it, it's always been homemade, but, you know, I've always been okay asking for help and how to deal with things. You know, I know my own game, but there's just some certain situations that you really can't prepare for until you're in the middle of. And a lot of that would be like playing in a major or something like that. Um, but there's been so many people. Uh, Brian Gaffney is another guy who pulled me aside after I uh, finished the PNC two years ago and, g and gave me just a wealth of knowledge, you know, put me in his shoes and, and walked me through a time when he was in the exact same scenario that I was, you know, possibly going into a playoff for the biggest tournament of your life at the time and, you know, how he prepared for it and things he would do differently. And he pulled me away from the crowd and the noise and sat me down and, and, and made me focus and I'm forever grateful for you know stories like that but there's been so many people that I've just been fortunate to ha spend time with or play with um, who have helped me and, and it 
and I say it a lot uh, on many different ways, social media interviews, but it's a team effort. You know, I wouldn't be here alone and it, it really wouldn't be special if I didn't have all these people, family, friends, and, and mentors, sponsors doing it with me. Yeah. So you mentioned the PNC, which for those who don't know, is the PGA Professionals National Championship uh, two years ago. But that wasn't your first PNC, correct? Uh, it was not. It was my second. Yeah. 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 So I know um, if I remember this right, you had a little bit of a difficult first time at the PNC. Can you tell us about that and what you learned from that experience? Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, gosh, what a time. I Starting as a professional in D.C., even taking it a little before the incident, um, you know, I, when I really wanted to get hungry and become a better player, the, the national championship was always you know, the biggest event we could play in. And I thought that I was good enough to be able to compete there. And you have to go through sectional qualifying to get there. And my first three years as a pro, I missed it by one shot in a multitude of different ways, but nevertheless missing by one. And I was so frustrated. And I remember when they released the tournament calendar in New Jersey for 2000, gosh, it must have been 15. And I see that the section championship is a course that I love. Uh, the Ridge at Backbrook in New Jersey. It's a big golf course. It's very picturesque. And I remember thinking, you know what? this is my time. Like that golf course suits me. And I ended up finishing, I think third in that event, uh, which got me in the top 11 to qualify me for my first PNC. So I qualified in September. The PNC is not until the following June. So there's a lot of time to think about it and practice and, you know, try to kind of carry on life as you're, you're looking ahead to such a big event, at least for me. And so I finished the year strong. I played great. I go down to Florida for a few weeks in the winter time. I'm playing, I'm practicing, I'm working out. I'm so excited for this event. And leading up to it, even like a day or two before, I had been playing great, feeling really well, ready to go. My parents were going to drive out. It was the first time they were going to ever see me play, ever, which is amazing. But um, it was up in uh, Verona, New York at Turning Stone Resort. And the day I wake up for the tournament, um, I look down and my left leg is extremely swollen and purple. And I get a second opinion from my boss. I had walked into work. I go, hey, does this look okay? And he said, no. And so I ended up driving myself to the emergency room. And after about five hours of getting poked and prodded and tests run, I discovered that I had a blood clot in my left leg. Wow. Yeah. And so I'm laying on the gurney in the middle of the hallway. And again, this was the biggest tournament. I was supposed to leave that day and drive up there. Um, so fast forward a couple hours, I get released. I get a prescription for blood thinners. They say, just start taking these, but don't cut yourself. Don't drink. You, can, you know, if you nick yourself, go right to the hospital. If you get hit in the head, go straight to the hospital and all these things. And I'm you know, freaking out because I have no idea what this means or how it's going to affect my life. Uh, let alone this big tournament that I had been so excited for. So I call my parents. They obviously are nervous. My sister's a doctor, so she starts chiming in and, you know, adding her two cents, uh, which are great. But at the time, it was a lot. And um, I asked the doctor, can I go play? I kind of told him what I was planning on doing. He didn't recommend it, but he's like, you really can't hurt it more. So I, I went out there. I tried to play. Uh, my leg was so swollen, I couldn't bend it. Um, it didn't really fit in my pants and I tried to play, but it was so excruciatingly painful, both mentally and physically that I, I did make it through the first two rounds. I missed the cut by a few. Um, 
and came back and, and had to spend a lot of time in doctor's offices and, you know, just doing rehab to get better, which took, I mean, it's still ongoing, but it took about three months before I could walk without pain. Wow. Uh, so at the time it just felt so unfortunate. It felt so unfair. You know, I'd been looking forward to this tournament for my entire life as a professional. And it just seemed so wrong that the day I was leaving this freak accident happened. But I also remember sitting there and thinking, and I've always been kind of a glass half full positive guy. And I'm like, you know what? Every great story has a fault at some point. And it, you know, it's kind of, I've always kind of been a comeback mentality type of person. I said, you know, if I can get through this and kind of refocus on some things, I think it's going to be really good. Um, which at the time, you know, I, I kind of had to will myself into thinking that, um, but then a year later, uh, in Oregon, uh, at Sun River Resort, I had made it back into the PNC. I, I finished the year after my leg got hurt, winning just about every tournament. Uh, I earned player of the year honors, which were huge for me as a, just kind of a comeback. And then, and then the following year I go out to Oregon and, um, and play well and end up finishing ninth, which qualified me for the PNC with or the PGA championship, ex- excuse me. So, you know, in one year's time, uh, it was a huge, huge comeback. And, and I knew it, you know, it took a lot of work and it took a lot of help, but, um, you know, I had kind of achieved it. Yeah. Wow. See, I, I knew there was something happened in that first PNC, but I guess I didn't realize the entire story of it. And that's incredible, uh, to kind of see where you're at on the other end of it, um, to come kind of full circle on it. So that's, that's really cool. It was. And I remember even this year, you know, some of the analysts on TV go, Oh, you know, in his first PNC, he shot 81 in the first round and here he is playing well. It's like, well, (laughs) read the next line. You know, I had one leg, but no, it, it's, uh, that was definitely a very difficult time. Yeah. And even me watching that, and I'm sure a lot of the other guys in Nebraska who, you know, maybe haven't talked to you since college just heard that and was like, Oh, he, you know, he let the pressure get to him, but right. there's a lot more to yeah. that story. Blood pressure. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. Wow. Um, so, okay. Then that, that PNC where you finished ninth and make it to the PGA championship was, I believe won by Ryan Vermeer, right? Uh, one prior to that, when, uh, Omar Uresti, uh, beat Dave McNabb in a playoff. Okay. And that's a whole nother situation, which I don't think we'll get into in this, the, uh, no, that would be best. Omar Uresti. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, well, Ryan Vermeer, are, do you, are you close with him at all? Do you know him well? Because he is another Nebraska guy. He is. And you know what? I've been very lucky to get to know Ryan. Uh, we actually spent quite a bit of time this year at the PGA championship together, um, he was not to fast forward through the story, but he was one of the first guys to congratulate me after I won a month ago. Um, and so I knew of him a lot, but now with all this that we have in common, we, we've become much closer and, you know, we've exchanged some texts and I kind of, I seeked his advice out for how to handle this next year with everything. And so, uh, we're definitely getting closer and, uh, and I hope he becomes a good friend soon. Yeah, that's cool. So, uh, you know, after you finished ninth, you get a an entry into the PGA Championship, um, which has got to be the most one of the most intimidating things I can think of. Where not only your first PGA Tour event, but it's also a major. Um, describe your emotions and your feelings and your confidence, I guess, 
going into that event. And I believe it was at Quail Hollow, right? Yes, it was at Quail Hollow in Charlotte. And, you know, from the moment that I finished my final round um, in Oregon, it was just a very emotional time, you know, just kind of thinking back on everything that had happened one year prior, uh, really playing a couple solid rounds of golf coming down the stretch and kind of fighting back from some unfortunate play early in the round every day. Um, and so I was very proud of how I played. You know, when I made that final putt on 18, I was tied for, I think, 18th or 19th. And I was just lucky that some of the guys behind me faltered on their way in and finished ninth. And then so finally receiving that playing packet, you know, realizing that I had achieved my dream at the time of playing in a major, playing on the PGA Tour, being able to go and tee it up with the best players in the world who I've watched and idolized my entire life and have been close to become friends with a lot of them through living in Florida and tournaments and whatnot. But, you know, it was just, it was a huge personal accomplishment. And um, there at the time I qualified in June, the tournament was in August. So I got to go back. I remember flying back the next day on a red eye from Portland to Newark. And I was so exhausted mentally and physically. I don't think I slept the night before after driving back to Portland. And I get back and you know, as the businesses, sometimes I had to go straight to work. It was member guest, member guest weekend at Baltusrol where I was working at the time. So I, I remember I went back and showered real quick and just kind of looked in the mirror and shook my head. I hadn't, you know, I, I can't believe what just happened. So I throw on my coat and tie and I go down and it's member guest dinner. And so there's 240 odd people there, you know, all ecstatic for me and, and giving me just high fives and hugs and, and handshakes and all this and that. So it was a very fun time. Um, but leading up to the tournament, it was just a lot of new things for me, you know, a lot of media requests, um, obviously the story with the blood clot, which I had kind of assumed, you know, would, was wanted to get told. And so a lot of people were asking me to share it, which was very fun. And I love to do it. You know, it's fun to be in a, in a spot to have a story worth telling, I guess. Um, and it was just parts of it were over overwhelming and I just took it step by step, but that's a time where I reached out to a lot of those mentors who I named earlier and just asked them, how do I deal with this? And, and they, they gave me the tools and the advice to allow me to, to do it well. Um, and, and then, you know, leading up to leaving for the tournament, kind of putting my crew together, you know, picking my caddy, uh, having one of my best friends be my manager. My parents were coming out. We rented a house. Um, you know, I was just looking forward to that experience. And, and then to get there and get off the plane and, you know, get handed the keys to a $90,000 courtesy car and you know the pe the people of Charlotte are kind of like where I'm from and you are you know midwestern people very kind loving um and they made it feel like such a home event um even kind of being the black sheep in the tournament and I knew that you know I'm, oh my, I'm just I'm just a club pro but here's a really cool opportunity that we have every year to try and play with the big boys and uh and I remember just going in and wanting to soak up the week and I had such a great time and you know, playing in front of all those fans, it's a different experience. And that's one of those things that you really can't prepare for until you go through it. You know, your, bo your body just goes through different emotions that you may not even know you had. And, um, you know, what the nice part about it is, is coming out on the other end, every other event that you'll play in feels very relative because of just the pressure and the scale of, of a tournament like that. But, 
you know, I got paired with great guys. I played a practice round one-on-one with Luke Donald and we just had some great, great conversation. Um, you know, we, we've got some similarities in our life and we spoke about those and he gave me some advice and, you know, it was just fun being out there. And all of a sudden I started to realize that this is just like what I do every day. You know, it's just golf. I've been fortunate to play with some, some big name people and I've always enjoyed their company, but I don't let it really get to me. Um, and, you know, then getting paired with Kevin Na and Sean O'Hare in the tournament. And then it kind of hit me. I'm like, wow, I'm really going out to play golf with these guys. Like, it, this is a big deal. And and walking to that first tee for the first time over the bridge and hearing your name called and signing a bunch of autographs for the kids. It was such a special experience. And, I, you know, every event, and I've kind of mentioned it earlier, you asked, where do I find my fire? It's just achieving that next step. And, and then, okay, it's like, all right, I've done that. I can take a lot away from that as far as what I've learned and how I can change as a person and a golfer and a competitor. And then you set your sights for something new. So having played in that, I wanted to get back. It's an extremely motivating experience, I think, to play at that level. Um, it's obviously a very nice life for those who are fortunate enough to do it week in and week out. Um, and I still knew that there was work to be done. You know, I played okay. I didn't putt very well, but I took a lot of positives out of that. So, you know, that was really my first experience. It was awesome. I got to, um, you know, another cool point at at Baltusrol where I was working, they had hosted the PGA championship the summer prior. And so, you know, everyone still kind of had PGA championship in their mind because the club had just hosted it. And now one of their professionals, me, was playing in it and I got to actually they asked me to write a kind of a blog of sorts which is something I had never done but every day I would sit down before I'd go out and just kind of recap the day prior and I didn't think anyone was going to read it and I get back and find out that you know everyone loved it hundreds and hundreds of people were sharing it with their friends and you know so that that's when it really hit me that it is cool that all these people support me and they want to hear you know my side of the story and, and it's so cool being there firsthand and, and having a chance to do that and share that with them. Yeah. So were you at Baltusrol when the PGA was hosted there? I was not. I was still at Ridgewood at the time. Um, and that was the year at the PNC when my leg was was messed up because there was kind of this storyline in my head of if I could play well at Turning Stone and, and finish in the top 20, I would be able to play at Baltusrol, which was right down the street. And I always thought it would be so cool to play in front of you know, what is my home now of, of, at the time, New Jersey or New York, kind of that metropolitan area. And so that was a little bit of a letdown. But no, I didn't start until the following season. Okay. So as a, I, I worked in the business, in the golf business for several years. And, and as I'm hearing your story, I'm saying, how on earth do you balance trying to compete on that level with the type of grind that it is to be an ass- I was assistant professional. Um, I assume in different situations you were assistant and teaching professionals and different stuff like that. Uh, but how does that schedule work? Like how did, how did you make that work at those different locations and still improve your game? It, it was not necessarily easy. Um, because yes, it is, it is a grind and, and my job at, you know, my job has varied at every club, but Um, going back to Ridgewood, you know, I had a lot of responsibilities on my plate and that was really a job that taught me the business of the game, uh, how to, how to run a successful retail operation, how to manage a staff, how to hire 
Uh, and I, I learned so much. And so playing kind of took a back seat. And that was back when I was okay. Um, but I really worked hard at my game to simplify it to a point where even if I didn't get a chance to practice a lot that week, I could still go out and even in an assistance event or a section event, go out and compete. Um, and, and I had some success doing that. And I, you know, I've always been really into like the fitness and eating well. So, you know, preparing my body to go through what could be a 75 hour work week followed by a three day tournament and, you know, and all these different things. So just one step at a time. Um, and then I finally, you know, in 2016, when I went to Baltusrol, or excuse me, 2017, um, I was kind of put in a job where they really wanted me to play and they were going to give me a little more time to do it. And that certainly paid off. But I also started taking uh, more time off in the winter and, and go down to Jupiter, Florida, where I live in the wintertime. And I spent four or five months down there because I wanted to see if I took that time and I worked hard and I was in the gym a lot and I was working out and I'm practicing every day, can I get better? I, I've been told by a lot of people, hey, I think you have what it takes, but it, I know how hard it is. And so I was always kind of like, yeah, 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 we'll see. Um, and I, I was pushed by a lot of people to give it a shot. So I went down there, I practiced, I came back, I played well. And that was when I kind of won that first series of tournaments to get into the PGA Championship. Um, and then, you know, once I got into that, they kind of gave me a lot of time to practice and do my own thing. And then um, my job now at Westchester, I'm a full-time playing and teaching professional where they give me the, the freedom to create my own schedule. Um, they support me 200% to play, both the staff and the membership. You know, if I'm gone, there isn't necessarily work that's not getting done, uh, which is great. And, and and I'm sure you know this or anyone that's listening, you know, to play very good golf, you can't have your mind wrapped up in a lot of things, whether it be work or your home life and everything. Everything kind of has to be in check uh, to really go out there and succeed at a high level. So, you know, I just gradually I've worked hard to earn these positions through work. Um, I've worked hard to play and, you know, put myself in a position to be there and represent these clubs and and myself at the same time. So kind of every progression just got more and more um, fine tuned to allowing me to do this. And now I, I couldn't be in a better spot. Yeah. So when you were interviewing for the Baltusrol position, was playing a part because because they wanted you to be a playing professional correct what was that part of the interview process and then also when you take this time off to go down to florida was that also um kind of a built-in time to the position uh, great question so uh, baltusrol kind of came up a good friend of mine uh, his name is ryan fontaine and he's the director of golf at baltusrol currently he he got the job right after the 2016 season where longtime professional doug stefan had retired and Ryan and I were very close. When I was working at Ridgewood, he worked at a club near do uh, next door called Arcola. And when Ryan got the job at Baltusrol, I applied for the head professional job at Arcola and went through the you know the interview process, which, as you know, it, it's tough, it's grinding, and there's a lot of guys for one spot. And we get down kind of to the end of it, and everything was great. My resume was great. You know, I, I maybe had the skills to do it. Um, but they looked at me and said, listen, we really, we love you, um, but we're afraid you're a little young. I think I was 26 at the time. And so I said, okay, you know, and there's a bit of a stigma in the golf business, whether people admit it or not, you know, before you, you're 30 or, you know, something like that. A lot of jobs just don't look at you because there's, I don't know, uncertainties or, 
th things you haven't accomplished yet, maybe. And so I kind of talked to Ryan. I was a little disgruntled. I said, you know, what am I supposed to do for a few years until I'm 30? And he always knew I liked to play. He was a very good player in his own right. And so when he got to Baltusrol, the board really wanted to change some things about the club. And part of that was hiring Ryan, who, again, was a good player in his own right. But they, they're a very competitive club. It's an extremely history-rich club uh, with golf championships. And, and, you know, it is a golf club. There's no pool. Everyone there loves the game, and they love competing. So they wanted to bring that culture back to the club. And so they really had a desire to hire uh, an assistant. Um, who had that skill set. And so Ryan and I talked and I was lucky enough that it worked out and they hired me and, you know, kind of gave me some of the tools I needed to play. I still had a, a normal, you know, job description and ran events and, and did the whole thing. But, um, you know, they, that was kind of the first job I had where they really wanted someone to play and represent the club. And uh, I was very lucky to be able to do that for two years. And then I assume it was during the winter that then you headed down to Florida, correct? Yes, yeah. I, the job that I took um, intentionally was a seasonal job, a seven-month job, which is very very common in the golf business. I did, I did it when I was younger, going between Washington, D.C. and Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, and I didn't necessarily want to work in the winter, um, but I wanted to go down and, and play and practice every day. And so I kind of saved up my money and, and put myself in a position and got lucky that I fell into a really great situation with two of who are now my best friends uh, with a house down there uh, that I've been able to come and go to every year and, you know, just kind of piece it all together where I could go down for five months and, you know, effectively go unemployed, but really pursue this game. And, um, and, and that's where a lot of the success has come, you know, being around tour players a lot playing with them and again just putting myself against that next level of talent and figuring out a way to compete with them and then once i feel like i'm ready there you know advancing that even further okay so let's move into this year's pnc where you you end up winning it can you tell me what it was like what you felt like your game was like going into that event i felt pretty good to be honest with you you know i had a new job uh with just a, a a lot more freedom than I've ever had to play and, you know, moved and, and, and just did some things where all of a sudden I think it was going to be easier. And I, um, I had a very good off season down in Florida working very hard at my game. I played a lot. I practiced a ton. And I think what really helped me was the fact that the PNC is now in April instead of in June due to the, the change of the PGA Tour schedule where the PGA Championship falls in May. So I started my new job in New York on April 9th. So I drove up from Florida, moved, kind of had a hectic week, but finally got things situated. And then a short week later, I flew down to South Carolina to play in the tournament. And just right off the bat when I got there, you know, it's down in the south. People are kind again. It's, you know, it's warm. Um, I actually stayed with a host family that week, the Obergs, who are members at the club of the club. I think 81 families opened up their homes to a contestant, which is really cool. And so my caddy, Jared, and myself stayed with them. And we just hit it off immediately. They were so kind. It was so nice to kind of feel at home uh, when you're on the road. And I think that's one of the hardest things about playing professional golf that a lot of people may not realize is 
you know, when you're on course, that's business, but there's a lot of downtime off the course and you're not always in the greatest location and you're spending a lot of times in hotel rooms or traveling and in airports. And, you know, so if you can have that feeling of being home, it just relaxes you a little bit. You're not necessarily thinking about the tournament all day, every day. And they really provided me with that. Um, and then just, it was a nice week. I started out, I played practice rounds with good friends of mine. And actually most of the guys were some of those mentors that I mentioned earlier, Brent and Brian. And, and I just, I've had good friends down there. So I go in, we have a ton of fun as we're learning the course. You're not thinking about it. And, and it was really a golf course that set up well for me. It was very long. It was very difficult. Uh, two things that play into my game for whatever reason, I always play better at a hard golf course. Um, and I just felt confident. I think having gone through one PGA championship at the time, I took away from that how important or the importance of being patient on a golf course over a four round tournament. Um, we don't play a lot of events that are four rounds and, you know, I just know that over the course of time playing steady conservative golf one shot at a time and maybe being aggressive at a time or two when you feel like you can, um, it paid off. And I went in with that mindset and game plan and my caddy was totally on board and we did a great job of it. We played two really good rounds. I did not even know halfway through the second round that I had a five shot lead on the field. I, you know, I've just learned how to, when I'm out there, I get in my own world. I'm really zoning out and I'm thinking about a bunch of other stuff and looking at the clouds and whatever. And then my caddy and I have a great relationship where he knows exactly what I need to hear, um, which isn't much. You know, he kind of hands me a club and says, here's a number, hit it at that. And that kind of point and shoot golf mentality works really well for me. I let him analyze it. He's a very smart guy. He's very good at math. He knows golf. He knows me. Um, so it's just a great relationship that he was with me in the PGA Championship in Charlotte. And, you know, so we've gone through a lot of these things together. Um, and, and so I just played four solid rounds. But after the second round, it was kind of down between me and another guy, Danny Balin, who, ironically enough, is the guy that I replaced at Westchester. He, he, he had my job prior to it opening when he got a head professional job when Matt Dobbins left, who's another outstanding player. You know, Matt has won the PNC twice and Danny has won many, many tournaments, you know, even on PGA Latino America, Met Open, um, you know, a lot of Met section events. And, and me now being in the Met section, I had a lot to prove. You know, they're, they kind of coined themselves as the best playing section in the country, which I, I wholeheartedly believe. Um, and so I kind of had these new job challenges of, you know, how do I replace Danny? How can I prove that, you know, I'm as good as him and all these different things. And so coming down to the final two rounds, which were basically 36 holes of match play, um, was fun. And I know Danny's a great player. He's a very tough competitor. He's kind of a bulldog out there. He gets up and down from everywhere. He makes a ton of putts He doesn't make a lot of big mistakes. And even round three, he and I both didn't hit it that well. Uh, I missed a lot of putts. He made a ton of putts, and we ended up finishing the day all square uh, it's at seven under. And I felt like I left probably three or four shots out there, as I'm sure he did. You know, I, I think I should have had a lead going into that final day, but I didn't. And so, you know, I, I just went back to my process. I knew if I went out and I played a very good round of golf on the final day, which was Wednesday, that I'd have a good chance. And I had a slow start, got up and down on a few holes, kind of built some confidence. 
had a terrible three putt bogey on number five and then just looked at my caddy and said, all right, enough of that. Let's go. And I birdied the next three holes. Um, and then finally for the first time in this last two rounds, Danny made a mistake. He, he missed a couple short putts on nine and 10 and made bogeys. Um, and so I had a three shot lead going into 12, which was kind of comforting. And then of course, as soon as you get comfortable, you know, how fast the tables turn, I, I made probably my worst swing of the tournament, um, trying to lay up on a par five and left it in the rough and, and just a spot that I couldn't be and ended up making a bogey and Danny made birdie. So all of a sudden my three shot lead was down to one with a very, very difficult stretch of golf, um, coming in. So I had a one shot lead. Uh, the next hole, I I was a little frustrated and I just killed the drive. I think I hit it like 350 or 360 and on this par five and left myself with an iron into the green and just hit hit a great iron shot. Um, it's, a, it's a tough shot for me. I don't like to hit it kind of a draw four iron and I pulled it off. I hit it exactly where I was looking. Um, you know, it set me up for an easy birdie to give me another lead over Danny. And then, of course, Danny goes and birdies the next hole. So we go into 15. I've got a one-shot lead, and I kind of hit a squirrely drive that went went left as a left-handed player is on the left-hand side. And um, the, a guy who I'd play with the day prior hit his drive over there, and it was actually decent. So I, I remember hitting it just thinking, please get lucky. And I get over there, and it's not obstructed. There's a huge tree in the way. But... I had a swing. And so my caddy and I probably had the longest discussion of any shot all week. We had a number, I think it was like 179 or something. And I go, Jay, I think it's a seven. And he goes, no, he goes, I like the eight. And there was a little wind in the face. And I go, dude, if it gets up in the, the air, there's no way it gets there. And he just looks at me, he goes, hit the eight. And I look, I look back at him. I go, are you sure? Like, I'm going to be really upset at you if this doesn't work out. And he just stared at me. I said, all right, dude, you know, I, I trust him at this point. And, and it was a flyer rough lie. And, and I swung as hard as I could and it came out and I hit the shot to, I don't know, three or four feet. That's the shot where I was just, I was watching it and I thought, man, I know he's gotten really good, but that was, that was the shot to win the tournament that I thought at the time. No doubt. Um, There's no question that when you had that into the tree, I was like, oh man, he's got a I was kind of nervous for you, and then you pulled <laughs> off this incredible shot over the trees. That man, that was amazing. So, well, thank you. I, I tell you what, it, I mean, a lot of guys I've played with, you know, that kind of coined beach golf, where I don't, I don't necessarily make a lot of birdies from the middle of the fairway, but you know, I, I, I find a way to get the ball in the hole from, and I think it's just a focus thing. At middle of the fairway, you know, you can kind of lose focus, and that was a shot that I had to hit perfect. Um, and I'm just so lucky that it worked out the way it did. I made the putt because that extra shot, having that through 16, 17 and 18 at Belfair, it, it's everything because there's water on every side of every hole. The greens are tough, you know, a miss hits, it could be a double bogey in a heartbeat. And yeah, it's a really steel one there. And then just, you know, I just hit really good shots. I played probably some of the best tournament golf that I've ever played that week. Um, but it was just totally the game plan. It was the mindset. We stuck to it. I stayed patient. And these are all things that I learned from that first PGA Championship. You know, having the camera in your face for a round of golf, it's, it's a different feeling. And you're, 
you know people are watching you know my phone's blowing up as soon as i turn it on again and which is awesome and i love it um but there's just a lot of thoughts that creep in your head you're out there for a long time whether it's four or five six hours whatever the round is and you've got cameras and microphones and people and announcers and you're doing interviews and you know i was so fortunate to had some experience in doing that um because I really didn't get nervous. I felt totally calm out there, which I was kind of surprised in. Um, and, you know, winning, I mean, to tell you how much of a zone I was in, I had to ask my caddy how many putts I had on, on 18 from three feet. And he goes, you've got two. And that at that point, I was like, okay, I think I've done it. You know, and I even remember waking up that day just kind of sitting there and thinking, you know, what an opportunity I have today, which anyone in like the final group of any tournament does. And you, you run the scenario through your mind of winning and how great it's going to be to have the photos with your family and lift the trophy and gain all that comes with it. But, you know, I really did take it one step at a time. And I always had dreamt about walking up the 18th with that lead and kind of knowing you were going to have it. Um, but it, that moment did not happen until I had about three feet with, with two extra putts. So... Uh, and to see that go in, I didn't want to miss that one. I almost did, but uh, it, it crept in there. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it hit you actually on the 18th green that that you had a lot of stuff coming up for really the next year of your life, right? That that, that moment kind of transformed uh, your life forever. Um, what was it like? I, I mean, th- that night when you're looking back and thinking about what you've just done and what you have ahead of you, because, I mean, when I'm thinking about it, you're only just beginning, right? You're only just beginning this huge journey of uh, realizing your dream again. Um, was that intimidating to you? Were you? Did you have a little bit of a freak-out moment? And, and how do you continue to prepare for the PGA Championship after you've just won the biggest event of your life? You know, it, it's funny. Um, immediately after winning, you know, I, I shared a very nice moment with my family. My mother was crying. Even my dad got a little emotional. My aunt and uncle have always been kind enough to travel with them, who are my godparents. And, you know, that kind of hit first. But then immediately after that, I'm kind of getting pulled around going from the the ceremony presentations, all these pictures, all these interviews, and that really lasted about two hours. So there was a gap where I won, and all I wanted to do was just have a drink with my family, and you know re- that didn't happen for about an hour and a half. So as this is all happening, and you know people are talking to me about it and kind of asking me a lot of the same questions you are, and I'm realizing what happened. And you know I had dreamed about it so much. I always thought that I was good enough to do it. But I remember always looking at that trophy when I get there, like, man, whoever's going to win, that's a lucky guy. And I'm just so jealous of, you know, what Ryan Vermeer did last year and what Omar has done and what Dobbins has done. And I just never thought that I was a guy at that level. Um, And I think that's just kind of my nature. But then, you know, I get handed the trophy and I start thinking about everything that comes with that victory, which I knew very well what it was. And I remember telling even bosses years ago when they were talking about, hey, what do you want to do with playing and do you want to go play full time? And I said, no, I really don't. But, you know, the biggest thing I can do is win the PNC. And, you know, having achieved that, um, yeah, looking ahead to 
all that comes with that. But, you know, and you mentioned the PGA Championship, which was at Bethpage, which is kind of in my backyard now. So that untold story about playing at Baltusrol in the PGA, which is right in my backyard, that kind of came true as well, where now I get to play in New York and, and I'm a Met section member now and this is our section. And, you know, we had five guys there. Um, plus another from New Jersey who I grew up, I played with a lot over the last few years. And the club was so excited. I was so excited. I had so many friends and family contact me. They're coming out to watch because it's right next to New York City. And, you know, just all these little things. So, I mean, that was kind of first. Um, and it all happened so quick. I won. I took like a day. And then I was back to work as normal, um, doing interviews with CBS and NBC and all this and that, Sirius XM. And then before I knew it, the PGA Championship was here. So it was time to, I put the team back together and, and we went out to Long Island and, and had a great week. Now, had you played Beth Page before that week? I had not. Um, you know, being in New Jersey, it's just, it's hard to get over here. Um, the Met section guys, they play the New York State Open there every year. So they've played it a lot. Guys like Danny Bale and Rob LeBritz. Um, so I never had, and I remember winning and my boss and, and this just goes to show how supportive they are. He goes, all right, I want to go out there with you Wednesday. I want to show you the course. I want to talk to you about it. You need to see it. And I'm thinking, you know, he's going to take a day off. I'm not going to be at work. I kind of assumed, you know, I've always had the mentality of oh, I'm going to be gone next week. I really need to put in a lot of work this week. And he's like, no, we need to go see this golf course. So my caddy met me there. We went, it was closed to uh, anyone but players and so I'm out there and the only three pros on property were myself Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson which was a pretty cool golf moment you know I've kind of in my mind I've always put myself against those guys and I've wanted to be in the situation so there was no awestruck moment but then stepping back and thinking you know what that's pretty cool like you know these are guys we've watched forever even going back to college which really was when tiger was probably in his prime and you know sitting in lincoln watching him win all these tournaments and um so that was kind of a surreal moment but getting to to walk beth page for the first time and kind of put a face to the name that you've heard so much about and it's such a big golf course and it's so straightforward but it is so hard and the rough was just ridiculous i mean it 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 was something else but so it was great to see it once, kind of before all the madness started. And then I went back on Monday and and kind of got to work. But that was the first time I ever played it. Wow. Wow. So looking back on uh, the PGA Championship week, what, what kind of stands out to you, whether it's actually is something that happened during a round or beforehand, someone you met? I mean, I saw pictures of you with guys with a bunch of pros you had interaction with the barstool guys i saw a little uh <laughs> was it uh frankie and uh dechambeau used your club for a little shoot and they did uh, yeah like so what what was what were some of the highlights from that whole week that maybe people didn't see um uh, there were so many um you know doing all the media leading up to it going into new york city and, and going live on on air both tv and radio and getting to share my story and kind of, you know, speak as someone who's done it before. I kind of, it all hits me at, at different points that this has happened before. And, um, you know, the, I think one of the coolest things of the week that most people wouldn't know is by winning the tournament, uh, the PGA of America invites me or invited me to the champions dinner 
at the PGA Championship. Um, so this year it was ho- hosted by Brooks Kepka, and it's a lot of the executives for the PGA as well as the Met section and then all the past champions. And so I was fortunate enough to, and I think the picture you're speaking of is with the trophy and the most recent past champions and myself. So it's me next to Jason Day, Rory, Brooks Kepka, Tiger Woods, um, you know, and the list just goes on and on. So that's a very special moment that I will never forget. Um, you know, that that's kind of the, sur- the surreal things that at the moment it's cool to be there, but you know, I think years from now I'll look back at that picture and just have the, the most fond memories. Um, and then just being out there again with my friends, I think it was just as fun for them to do it a second time as it was for me. We kind of, you know, the deal, you know, where to go, you know, when to eat, you know, where to go to eat. You, you kind of get used to the schedule. We had the big Escalade courtesy car. We were driving around in all week and, um, you know, everyone kind of has their role and, and, and it just was so much fun to share it with them and, um, you know, play practice rounds with guys and, and just be in front of the fans. And, you know, New York crowd is a bit of a different crowd and they're loud and they're rambunctious. And, you know, after a few Coors Lights, they're happy to tell you what they're thinking. But, you know, so I kind of got to embrace that, but they, they really took me in as one of their own. And I'm so grateful for that. You know, I'm a Minnesota guy at heart. I, I always say I'm from Minnesota and all the books. Um, but, you know, being here now, they've really kind of been kind to me. And, I, and that, that means the world to me as well. And it's a place I call home now. And, and, you know, they take golf very seriously, especially at Beth Page, which is kind of the, you know, the, the public country club in the world. I guess the greatest. Anyone can play there. And, um, you know, so there were so many little things, you know, having meals next to all the tour pros, just interacting with them kind of as one and and a lot of guys congratulated me on what i accomplished and and that was kind of a surreal moment too and you know adam scott on the range comes up to me and says hey congrats on the win man that was awesome and i was like hey you're you're a good looking dude but thanks a lot that's really kind of you to say that uh but no you know and then kind of having these exemptions you know they're kind of like hey look forward to seeing you around more And, and every time they say it i just kind of go what do you oh you're wait a minute you're right like i this kind of gets to keep going for me. So I had a great week there. I actually played really well. Um, I didn't make a lot of putts when I needed to and, you know, missed the cut. But again, it's another learning experience that I'm going to take with me to events down the road. And, um, but it was a very special week. It was so much fun to play in New York. I can't say that enough where we had a ton of members come out. The whole staff, I think took the day off work. I don't even know who was at the club, but, um, you know, it, it is so fun to share it with them and um, because, you know, I do spend a lot of time with them now. And so they're kind of my new family. And, you know, of course, my my immediate family came out as well. So for, for them to get to meet a lot of people I work with and kind of see the excitement. And again, for a second time, um, it's just so exciting. It's so motivating. It's so humbling. Um, but, you know, it's what all the hard work went for. Yeah. So as I hear you talking and talking specifically about the fans that were kind of interacting with you, I remember reading a tweet during the tournament that someone, some golf personality was following you and said that, um, that someone had yelled, go beach. And you turned to him and said, shouldn't you be at work? And, uh, and kind of gave it back and forth to this fan. And they had no, you know, whoever was tweeting this 
had no idea if you knew the person or not. I'm I'm guessing you probably did. I did. Um, you did. You, you <laughs> oh, remember yeah. that moment? I do. And and you know you know me pretty well. But your listeners probably don't. But I'm a very sarcastic person. Uh, I'm very dry. I like to dish it out. And yeah, that was someone from the club who, you know, probably should have had something better to do. But you know, again. And that's one of those things that I, I see after, and I read that tweet, and I laughed, and a lot of my friends sent it to me, and they go, you know, this is so you. And I go, well, yeah, it is. You know what? It is. Um, but, you know, just the fact that people are taking time out of their day, they're spending money to, to get on the train and come out and watch, um, it, it just means the world to me. But, yeah, you know, it's uh, I'm still going to give it to you. And, you know, for <laughs> us, for like mortals who are never going to play in front of a, a huge crowd, I was actually talking about this with uh, one of our mutual friends, Patrick Murray. Sure. I'm going to give a little shout out to him. And one yeah, of the questions Patrick. he sarcastically asked me to ask you was, did you ever feel like you were just going to smoke one of the fans <laughs> when they were standing a little too close, you know? Because, um, you know, people who don't have great, as great a skill as you, not always sure where the ball is going to go, right? That's true. I, I'm sure that was a little bit of intimidation uh, when you're standing over the ball as well, was it? It, well, of course it is. And, you know, it, and just hi, Patrick, first of all. And I know watching a lot of his tee shots, he would be very unpopular uh, on the PGA Tour from what I saw in college, uh, if you're anywhere left or right of him. But uh, no, I'm totally kidding. But it, it is intimidating, you know, and that is a factor that, you know, you're not dealing with a lot. And it's not so much the people standing around you. I, I always found the hardest thing, at least in Charlotte, was you know, you're on like a 260 yard par three, which is ridiculous in itself. But then there's 400 people sitting two feet from you. And you, you know, the, the thing is you can hear everything people say. Um, you know, again, I've got a pretty good sense of humor. I like to have fun. Yeah. I like to, I gave it back to a lot of fans in a funny way. Um, but they're right there and you know it. And yes, I mean, in the back of my head, at least in Charlotte, maybe a little bit, uh, at Beth page was, just please, whatever happens, don't don't shank this shot, because you know I'm, I'm, I've kind of got some Webb Simpson in me. I've got about one shank around, and fortunately, fortunately, all week it came on the practice range. Um, but it happens; it happens to everyone. So, listeners, it it, it does. Um, but yeah, it is hard. And I asked a lot of tour guys, "How do you deal with it?" And they gave me the advice of saying, "Hey, listen, you go out there and play your game. They put the ropes up, but you know what? It's your golf course. You have to do what you have to do." don't worry about it. There were definitely times where I hit one and I go, Oh no, like, please don't kill somebody. And you know what? It works out and they create that little tunnel for you, a tunnel of shame to go find your ball in the woods. And then you have to hit it back out. Um, but you know what? I found most people to be so kind and, and he just, as long as I, you know, I have fun with it. I think if you have a different personality, it could definitely eat you, eat you up a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, you know, the, the stands are close. The people are close. There's a lot that can go wrong. Um, you know, the, the difference in a good shot and a bad shot's about an inch. So, um, yeah, uh, Pat, I do think about it, but I'm just fortunate that it hasn't happened yet. Knock on wood. So um, I've kept you plenty long here, but I do want to ask you about the six exemptions that you have on the PJ Tour next year. Um what what is that process like do they, are they six exemptions that are kind of assigned to you or do you get to pick six out of a pool of events or you know how do you go about doing that sure um i i've 
finally received clarity on that, and, and that was part of what I talked to Ryan Vermeer about, you know, him having gone through it this year uh, with his win last year. So uh, my understanding now is of the six events, um, three of them I get to select from the five opposite field events. So that would be tournaments opposite of like the Open Championship or a World Golf Championship. Um, so three of the five of those I have to pick. And then the other three are from any open event, which Ryan sent me the list for this year. You know, it's probably 24 events. Uh, anything outside of an invitational or a major. Um, and there may be one or two exceptions that, but I can pick anything else. So, um, you know, there's a lot of events coming up and, and I've, um, I'm excited to think about it. The schedule is not quite out for next year and I, and I don't have to commit until two weeks prior for any of the events, but I'll take a look at it. You know, I think some of them I'll, I'll use as just a great experience, you know, maybe go to some cool destinations that I haven't had a chance to go yet. Um, you know, some of these events are going to fall in my off season when I'm down in Jupiter. So, you know, I'll kind of plan that in. I'll have plenty of time to practice and play leading into those, but you know, also may try to play in something uh, back home. I know there's an event in Minneapolis. There's an event, the John Deere, which isn't far. Uh, and kind of just put myself in conditions that I'm a little more used to and comfortable in. Um, but yeah, those those six exemptions are going to be huge. It's just six more chances to to use what I know. And, you know, I've been very lucky to play in two majors, but I think they've also been two of the hardest majors to date in a long time. You know, Beth Page Black and Quill Hollow, they were they were so hard and I played well. I just, you know, I wasn't used to playing greens that fast and conditions like that. So, you know, maybe if I, if I put my game, which has gotten pretty good onto a more of a normalized course, you know, again, that you're still going against the PGA tour. There's nothing easy about it, but um, it's six more opportunities to play well. And and like you said, it was, it's already been kind of life-changing and, and I hope the work is just beginning. So with this comes a lot of opportunity and it's just up to me to make the most of it. But, uh, you know, the same mentality I've had with all this success is just enjoying the ride. I look back and I smile about everything, but I also sit down and really think hard about what I could have done better and how I can, how I can do that. And I've got a great network of people and mentors and companies and sponsors who, you know, are willing to give me the the time and product and, and energy to make me better. And, um, you know, so it's just putting this team together and and just trusting the process, as cliche as it sounds. But that's kind of how you have to do it, in my opinion. One one event at a time, one shot at a time, and um, you know, have fun while you're doing it. And, and I think special things can happen. Yeah, yeah. So you had said earlier that uh, I think you were talking to your boss or something that your goal or your you know as high as you could go is to play in the pnc well now you've done that and you've won it and you've played in the pga championship and you've got these exemptions so what's what's your goal now what's uh what are you hoping you accomplish next you know that's such a great question um i think leading up to this point every next step had been pretty well defined as you know it's place and order um gosh you know just to make a, make a cut on the tour, um, you know, keep getting more comfortable in that environment. And, you know, this has brought a lot of, of things to me that I may not have had prior. Um, and, and just really make the most of it. I think I'm at a perfect point in my life to, you know, really put the work in to do it. And in a short amount of time just has 
it has been in the last month, you know, things can change um, for the better. And so it's really just going to be a culmination of that. And, and my work and my boss is so supportive of it, which is great. So, you know, I just want to use the most of this opportunity and and see where it spits me out. You know, I'm very happy in what I do for a living and and being able to travel and have that freedom. And again, with, with this win and, and this kind of exposure, there are more things that keep popping up, which are great. And so each thing is just a different opportunity to do well. And, um, but you know, if, if I had to put a name to it, you know, make a cut, you know, and just kind of keep reaching up the leaderboard of these tournaments. I haven't made one yet. Not that I felt bad about it because I played well in really hard conditions, but you know, now I want to feel what it's like to be out there on a weekend and, and really have score count and, um, you know, just keep finding a way to get better at this game. Yeah. My, uh, my boss at Prairie Dunes, when I was there, he, uh, he used to be an assistant pro at a course in Texas. Uh, and the other assistant with him there was Rich Beam. Oh, sure. Um, who, I don't know, did you have a chance to run into Rich at all? He's at, my, he's uh, my locker buddy my next door is he really well because beach and beam yeah we've we've been next to each other at both tournaments um and then he does some work i think with cbs so he's interviewed me a time or two he was at the champion center so yeah we've been fortunate to spend some time together okay the story that my boss always told was that you know rich beam was an assistant pro just like the rest of us were at some point uh and he worked his way up and eventually he's a major champion now so i just want to uh, encourage you and I, I think your game has taken such incredible strides and um, it'll be really fun to watch you continue to to improve and to compete and I think you got what it takes to to do it on the highest level so hope to see you doing that one day and I mean you already are but even even more and bigger stuff so well I, I appreciate that very much and it's been such a fun ride and experience and it, you know it's great to look back on you know the steps it took to get me here and a lot of that was you know started back in college and and every little step forward has really allowed me to grow in a different area and um you know a lot of hard work has brought some some recent success you know i love the quote you know it, it takes a lot of years of work to become an overnight success and that's kind of you know especially in golf because you're always one week away from from making it different and changing everything and you know, I know so many guys playing for a living that just haven't done that yet. So to really accomplish that and, and all that comes with this, I'm very excited. But yeah, like you said, the work has only just begun. And, you know, I, I promise that I'm going to go out there and give my best effort in all these events and, and we'll see what happens. But it's been a lot of fun and, and I appreciate you, uh, you know, taking the time to, to listen to the story and ask and, uh, yeah, we'll see what we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, awesome. Well, I always like to wrap up with one final question. Um, what is your favorite course that you've ever played? And don't say Wilderness Ridge in Lincoln <laughs> <laughs> or Firethorn. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh man, that's such a hard question. I, I would have to say Cypress Point was pretty special. Um, I've been lucky to play Valderrama in Spain was awesome. Um, you know, but every course to me has a different meaning you know playing quail hollow that'll always be special it was my first tour event um i've been lucky to work at a lot of great courses ridgewood balsas frog congressional burning tree desert mountain you know and um 
I'm more of an experienced guy. Like I can have a great time even at Wilderness Ridge with the right people, uh, which I think that's a great golf course too, by the way. But, um, you know, yeah, it's not Cypress, uh, but Fisher's Island. And if I had to say probably Fisher's Island and Cypress Point. Okay. Okay. Those are two good ones. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, I've kept you long enough here. If you're, uh, if you end up playing in the 3M or the John Deere, I will be there and cheering you along and we'll all, uh, be following what you do over the next year. So thanks for taking the time to do this. I, I appreciate it. And I know there's going to be a lot of people who are going to love hearing what you have to say. Well, I'm thrilled again for the, uh, the opportunity. It's great to catch up with you. And, uh, if I can ever do anything more to help, please let me know. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and rate The Looper wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Looper Podcast. Talk to you next time.